Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church this morning. My name is Emily, and I am one of the ministers on staff here at Calvary. As we gather for worship, I want to welcome any visitors who are here today. We are so glad that you chose to be here with us and to worship here this morning. Welcome. In the pew in front of you, you will find a welcome card. We invite you to take that and fill it out and put it in the offering plate later in the service. This card will give us an opportunity to reach out to you and to share with you more about what God is doing here at Calvary and how you might want to get involved. Today we continue our series on the joys and challenges in the lives of moderate Baptists, with a special emphasis this morning on the practices and rhythms of prayer. May we come before God just as we are today, knowing that we are loved and welcomed into God's presence and trusting that God will meet us here and inspire us again. May we be challenged to practice prayer in new ways, more truthful and honest ways before our God, a God who so tenderly loves us and cares for us. Let's worship God together. Thank you. 
God who is love, Prince of Peace, Comforter, how can we approach you who are so different from us? We push away people who are in pain rather than comforting them. We prefer stirring up rancor to the hard work of peace. We react more quickly with disgust than with love. But you are love. You show us the way of peace. You comfort us, all of us, never pushing us away. Give us the courage and the faith to draw close to you, to tell you of our struggles and to learn from you so we can take on your character and walk in your way. As it will be in heaven, let it be here, in our homes, at Calvary Baptist Church, in our neighborhood, and in our world. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel according to John. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired about his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? And who gave us the well? And with his sons and his flocks drank from it. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We're going to join together now in singing a song. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Sing with me. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Keep going. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And we're just going to keep singing that over and over. Now, as we sing it, I want you to start making up some parts. It's me. Oh, Lord, I'm standing, standing in the need of prayer. You know, anything you want to make up is free game, okay? All right, so you're going to be making up some parts. Let's try it one more time. It's me. Some people stay on that, so we have the melody. You ready? And now. It's me. It's me, oh, Lord. Come on. And in the need of prayer, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And then somebody's going to sing, da 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 We're all going to go, standing in the need of prayer. Let's practice that. Ready and go. Standing in the need of prayer. We can do better than that again and sing. Standing in the need of prayer. da 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 dee da 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 Again, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, and then we go right back, okay? You got that? And at the end, we'll do a big ending, all right? Okay, so I'm not going to bring the mic for you to sing the solos today, but next time, maybe we will. All right, you ready to do it? Here we go from the top. Ready and go. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher, not the deacon, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher, nor the deacon, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. Father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord. It's it's me, oh Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. It's me. Not a stranger or a neighbor, but it's me, oh Lord. Not a stranger or a neighbor, but it's me, oh Lord. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, 
It's me, oh Lord. One more time. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. I did have something happen to me yesterday that changed my sermon, and I want to tell you about it. And it happened actually at a funeral. I attended a service in Arkansas for a Baylor student who had passed away, and, and this student was Catholic, and it was a beautiful moment. And uh, I, I don't often get to say that, sadly enough, when I leave some of the funerals that I go to. I'm often sad at what didn't take place and what did take place in a moment that matters so very much. So yesterday I left uh, saying amen and saying wow, wow and texting my wife and said one of the best services I've ever been to. In many ways, uh, of course, the wow was about a young person's life that was so full and good and well-formed. His family and his community had surrounded him all of his life there in the northwest part of Arkansas with love and lots of truth and a, a culture full of blessing and guidance. This is, this is who you are. These are our hopes for you. This is your foundation and your home. And you could just sense that. And, and it had taken root in this young man. And his uncle, was actually, uh, who was actually a priest, captured that in such a beautiful way, the goodness of what had taken place out beyond the sanctuary coming into the experience of prayer together and changing it. And so my amen was about that and who this student was and what his family was all about. But it was also about the service, the, the liturgy, we call it. So in this, in this day and age, when we know lots of folks coming from different traditions, I suspect you've been to a funeral mass or two, and, and you're likely able to picture this some forms and rituals and calls and responses, similar to what we just did. Standing and kneeling and lots of people around me who knew when to stand and kneel automatically. Uh, and it wasn't uh, really foreign to me, but there were a couple of things that stood out in light of our sermon series on changes in Baptist life and particularly changes in moderate Baptist life. And particularly as we think about praying and as we think about the way we pray in here together on Sunday mornings. The Protestant Baylor dad who was sitting with me turned to me, and he's clearly an evangelical, and he turns to me in the middle of it and he says, it's not so hard to follow because it's all scripture. He was keeping up. He was getting it. And then he and others around me, when the liturgist said the word of the Lord, they knew what to say, or the Lord be with you. It seemed like everyone had the right responses, and I was thinking that they must be all Catholic, but 
Then as communion came along and some of us were not invited forward, the majority of the people in the room were Protestants. They just knew to say, and also with you or with thy spirit. They knew that somehow. Two other things struck me. One, the sermon was very, very biblical and amazing. A great use to, of the text that we had heard and read. And I, I should just say, and if you're if you're a Catholic or raised Catholic, forgive me, it's, it's not been a long suit preaching for most priests priest I've known. This is one of the best sermons I ever heard. And two, every song we sang in this, the largest Catholic church in Arkansas, were songs and hymns that evangelicals sing. I knew them all. Though they weren't from that old Baptist hymnal I grew up with, it was a moving experience. There were a few newer hymns, there was a Tizay chorus, like one we just sang here. There was a psalm sung with a fairly familiar tune, a psalm sung that way. It was beautiful, all held together by scripture that was read with great care and great preaching and an incredible sensitivity, this pastoral sensitivity from the priest that was celebrating the Mass. It was for me, you've heard me use this language, a post-denominational moment. I turned yesterday to my new friend sitting next to me who goes to a Bible church and upon priestly prompting we looked one another in the eye and said the peace of Christ be with you. We held a book together, the two of us, and we sang as the family was coming in on eagle's wings. And we sang as we moved out of the calling placed upon our lives by that pastor, the summons. And we sang together as a congregation as they wheeled the casket out, Jesus, remember me, the Tizay song. All these songs borrowed, as far as I know, from Protestants. You can correct me later on if I'm wrong on that. But we also knelt and we said the Catholic version of the Lord's Prayer and we offered prayers of intercession, saying movingly with one another, Lord, hear our prayer as the priest lifted our petitions to God. Things have changed in the church. The Spirit of God is at work, and we are no longer so bound and so limited, and everyone is learning from everyone. And when it comes to theology, and when it comes to the life of faith, and clearly when it comes to the life of prayer, and when it comes to worship, our instincts about these things are changing. It wasn't so long ago that our instincts were more like the woman at the well in John 4, right? Did you notice how Jesus goes to meddling here uh, about some personal things, and she moves fairly quickly to change the subject. You saw that, didn't you? He wants to talk about her personal life, and she sort of sidesteps that one and tosses out a theological bone for him to chew on. Well, you guys, you know, you all all worship in your temple there in Jerusalem. We worship on our special mountain. Well, Jesus just kind of goes right with it. Okay, but the time is coming, and in fact, it's here. It's, it's here when we will move beyond those boundaries, and those who truly worship will worship in spirit and truth. Jesus always values, but moves beyond boundaries. Because I want you to notice, 
He doesn't say that their mountain is a big problem and, and that the temple is a big problem. He doesn't say that they didn't matter or that they're bad things, these traditions. He just said there's a new day and a deeper level. There comes a time, this full of reality, the day he called it, the hour is used in, in John over and again. A kairos experience with the Christ, with Jesus that he ushers in. Christ always moves us deeper to the essence of things. You remember how many times does he say, you have heard it said, but I'm going to say to you, he's going to take them deeper. He's going to take us all beyond mere motions or traditions or doctrines always. And I just want to tell you that yesterday at that church in Arkansas, I saw that happen. And I think, too, I saw some of Jesus' prayer about oneness taking place in the body of Christ. I've seen that happening in churches a lot in these last years. I see it happening here at Calvary. I've, I've seen it in all sorts of moderate Baptist churches somehow living into this day of the Lord that has led us to some kind of openness that has been a great blessing for us focused as we are on what it means to be worshiping God in spirit, in truth, and that somehow frees us, opens us, and even invites us to, to appreciate forms, the temple or the mountain, in a brand new way. We're changing, and our worship has changed the way we pray together. You know, we Baptists, we had our own mountain, didn't we? Our, our temple forms... And not so long ago, at least from my perspective at North Lake Baptist Church, it was fairly immovable, right? There was a particular flow Sunday to Sunday, and it was pretty set as if there was a bishop or a book of common prayer saying, here's what we do, pretty much. Frankie McCann was our church secretary, and she would type it out, and then she would mimograph it off on those bulletins that the Southern Baptist Convention sent us from Nashville. Do you remember that? We all had the same picture on that morning, that Sunday of the year. And typically it went something like this, the order of worship. There was a prelude, then a welcome, then two hymns from the old Baptist hymnal, followed by a prayer, then there was an offertory hymn and an offertory prayer, and then an offering. And after the offering was the, anyone want to say it? The special music, as opposed to that ordinary music. Then at least a 35-minute sermon, and then a fairly lengthy invitation with one of about three or four invitation hymns that we just kept circling back to over and again. And then, of course, we introduced those who had made decisions. We had announcement. Then we went home to eat roast, watch the cowboy game, and take naps. That was our liturgy on Sunday. And it didn't change much in my lifetime. Things now have changed. And you step into most any moderate Baptist church, probably really any Baptist church or any other kind of church, especially here at Calvary, and we know that to be true. We're in some new day, and we've certainly moved beyond the Baptist temple that was ours. And in the process of doing that, there's wisdom about worship and prayer that we have received. It's been coming to us. And as it's come to us, we've been open to it, and we've explored, and we've embraced, and we have been blessed as we have grown into a fuller experience of worship. 
So if we set knee to knee, you could probably talk about this with me, how it's changed for you, what matters to you now. Now, I just want to make a few comments about this, what we've discovered, just to try to name a few things that seem apparent to me that are different than when I was at North Lake Baptist Church. We've discovered the importance of rhythm. I mean, we all knew it, right? We just glance at any day and how we do it, or we take several calendars from several years and look at them, or we begin to tell stories about what we always do over the holidays, and we know that human beings we need, we love, we rely upon, we thrive by, we find deep meaning, meaning in those rhythms of our life, don't we? Certain hours of prayer bear certain graces to us. Particular stages in life lead us into different kinds of truth. Different seasons of the year create different moons, don't they? Excuse me, different moods. The moon and the stars in their courses above dictate more than we're often aware of. So we've been honoring that more in Baptist life. When we honor the courses above and we pray with those movements and the created order in these major seasons and seasons of our lives and in everyday life, we're participating in the praise and the worship of all the universe. It's like churches and people are trying to sync up their souls with the soul of the universe, which every human culture and every faith, and for sure the Christian faith, has had the instinct to do. We heard about Advent along the way. I was about three years into seminary and went to church, and they said, well, we're going to start Advent. I said, what? had no idea. It seemed sort of fun at first, but then it seemed sort of right. And then it seemed downright essential. That was a lot of our story. It wasn't too terribly long before someone said, you want to do Ash Wednesday? And it wasn't long before most churches I know were doing something on Good Friday. I grew up in church four times a week and had never been to a Good Friday service until I was well into my 20s. But we got beyond the narrowness of what was our Baptist temple, our, our particular mountain. We began, I think, being caught up in, in the spirit and in truth, and we got in sync with, to some extent, in our own Baptist way, the rhythms of worship uh, of the church, these, these rituals that are informed by wisdom and they take us with the life of Christ around and around and around. And it's just not going in circles. It's going down and down and down deeper into the reality of Christ. What else did we discover? You'd have a list, but here's, here's something on my list. We came to see that worship involved the, the senses. Now, our senses had al al always been involved in it, right? Know it or not, we're human beings who sense things in all sorts of ways. But I think we began to pay attention to that and ask new questions as we thought about worship, like, what should we be looking at in worship in addition to the choir, maybe? <laughs> and, and, and those folks that always fall asleep, you know, during the pastor's sermon. Uh, remember in Advent over here, 
Do you remember our experience together of coloring the story of Christ and of Advent? What we see, we came to be thinking, must matter maybe as much as what we say. We also begin to pay attention to what we were hearing and, and begin taking note, for instance, that one person reading is a different experience than two persons reading, and that's a different experience that, than everyone reading, and all of that matters. And maybe we, we begin to realize that as we sing together, you know, having a chant-like experience standing in the need of prayer or something informal like that leads us to a different experience than being led in an awesome way by the organ, both of them really wonderful, but they take us to different places, maybe in our heart. And do notice the way Randall and company care for that so well for us. Our senses, and they get this, matter. In this Kairos time, on our best days when we're focused on spirit and truth, we've been innovating and we've also been uncovering. Both of these are true in our life together and in the church. What gestures might we offer to God and one another? You ever thought about that, what you're doing with your hands in worship? What do we let go of when we pray? What do we take hold of, literally, when we pray? Do you remember baby dedication a few weeks back? We were holding new life in our hands, and it was being brought out to us, and these babies were being blessed by their new Baptist priest, all of you, and, and we watched as parents took delight in what they were seeing, their, their family of faith welcoming their child, and I'll guarantee you were connected with God in that moment in a way that no sermon could ever connect you by what you were touching and seeing. No one had to say a word about the truth of God. What are we tasting have any of you noticed we stopped using the chiclets from the Baptist bookstore for the Lord's Supper? Someone said, this just won't do. This is not enough for Eucharist, meaning Thanksgiving. This is not enough for tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. What do we smell? There's a, there's a reason why a few weeks back the staff had a, us put our potluck contributions in the back of the sanctuary during the service. Someone was thinking, I wonder how that might change, alert us, as we had as, you know, brisket incense back there, which was really wonderful. What do we do with our bodies as we pray? What do we do with our bodies in worship? Be mindful. In just a moment, we're going to get up and walk up here and stand near a baptism. The church, it's interesting how we get to things, particularly as Baptists. It's not like we sat around, you know, in some study group for months and said, you know, what we really ought to do is walk up there for the baptistry. Sometimes it just seems right. And then the next thing we know, we've got a pretty good theology of what it means that we moved up there and got together as a family of faith and our bodies were involved in it. Not just our heads, not just thinking about it, we're singing, we're walking down the aisle to the chancel, to the waters of baptism. 
None of this was happening in my Baptist childhood. Maybe it did in yours in some ways. Our temple things were not bad. In fact, their strengths, and I saw yesterday our Catholic sisters and brothers borrowing from us. We've borrowed too, and we're being blessed by that, not only as we pray in here, but as we learn how to pray when we're on our knees. Do you ever get on your knees? The Bible, people of the book, the Bible says get on your knees as you pray. The Bible says lift your hands as you pray. The Bible tells us to be still and be quiet and silent as we pray. The Bible teaches us to pray with the Psalms. What have we neglected that we need to somehow access again, not only individually, but here? We've done that here. We pay more attention in Baptist life, I think, particularly in moderate Baptist life, to words. I mean, to to scriptures uh, that are read with care. The wisdom of the ages inviting us first to hear, right? We, We began to value things that were poetic and maybe a little bit more prepared. What was succinct and prayerfully and carefully crafted and that's been true even as we have continued to to value the very personal and spontaneous things that come to us out of our free church background and our gifts from the Pentecostals all that is right in worship there are movements in worship it's kind of a road map and and it's something maybe we've always known, but I just see more people caring for this in these days, certainly here in our church, to be gathered first. I mean, how do you move from out there to in here, deeper into God's temple, to give thanks, to be, to be grateful and lift our hearts in praise, to get attention off of ourselves and on to God, and if we don't do that, we can't be whole. These movements are critical day in and day out in our lives, week in and week out to our spiritual health, and we learn them by doing them here at 1045. To confess our brokenness and our limitation, receive again the love of God and to rest in it again, to profess together our faith, the faith, to remember our story, how the God of all the universe has come to us in Christ, and as we do, we are lifted back into that narrative in the world and in our lives. These are movements of prayer. We turn our thoughts, just like we did earlier, to those who need us. And we trust again that we're not separate, but we're all a part of God's creation. We're connected in God to everyone and everything. And somehow the world's healing is also something we're part of with God. We get under the burden of it with God. We're under the load in that moment with God. These are traditional elements of Christian worship. We we open our hearts to the Word of God and we commit ourselves again to God's calling and we depart with God's blessing. They're, They're in Scripture, these movements. In the tradition, they're in the DNA of God's children. We have to do this over and over for our spiritual health. And we've been doing that as Baptists along the way, but I think we've been perceiving at a different level what's going on and practicing more intentionally these movements that are critical to our life together. We changed. We changed. We woke up after a few decades 
and the repetitions and the rituals, maybe we once thought silly or even wrong, became precious to us and gave us new life. Repetition matters, you know. What we do over and over and over forms us at the deepest level. I probably should say that again. The things we say over and over and over again form ourselves and the people around us at the very deepest level. Last week, Joy came forward and she joined this church and we said something together that was prescribed. Same words that we've said for a good while now. Now to anyone who joins this fellowship, we said the same words because it matters that we do that. We've changed. And maybe all of these changes aren't everyone's cup of tea. And that's hard sometimes, I know, because some, maybe we've lost something and we missed something that mattered to us. But a long time ago, when Jesus was sitting by that well with that woman in need of living water, he saw something else. He saw a vision and encouraged us to see it too, that we might be able to live into a deeper communion with God as we worship, not just here at Calvary, but as all God's church worships. It's, it's a good journey to be on. And Sunday by Sunday, we do that here in a certain way, don't we? Joining hands and trying to move again into the Holy of Holies where we meet God and we know God and God's love in and beyond our templed ways. Oh God, to whom every prayer is lifted and towards who all praise flows, we bless you. We worship you. We turn to you. We listen for your voice that comforts and calls. Always, always, Lord, may the words that are spoken and the motions we make, may they all be acceptable to you, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As we think on these things and as we listen to God's voice calling us, we'll enter into a time of commitment as we always do. An invitation to follow God again. If you're here, maybe something to pray about. Maybe some response to make in particular like becoming a part of this church. Our ministers will be at the back to think with you on that and pray with you about it. Let's stand together as we sing. Father God, creator, redeemer, sustainer, we have set aside this time in our worship to give. And Lord, we give not just so that we can receive, and we give not because you have need of anything, but Lord, we give in part to cultivate within us a practice, a recognition habit of recognition that you sustain us in all seasons, in the good seasons and the bad, in the times of sickness and in the times of health, in scarcity and of plenty. 
Lord, today we practice that recognition. Lord, we also recognize that in your sustenance of us, in the ways you sustain us, you have called us to play a part. Lord, remind us not only now, but in other times of our life on how we are called to play that part. Be glorified today in our giving. Let it be giving in spirit and in truth. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we have two people to introduce to you. I'm going to ask Tyler and Sam if you guys would come and stand by me. First of all, we have uh, Tyler Johnson. It's unique that both of these guys have been involved in worship leadership this morning, uh, so we're, that's not always the case. But Tyler Johnson, um, I think Tyler is from Tennessee, but I know he's a UT, meaning a University of Tennessee graduate uh, in music. Uh, but Tyler is a Truett student, and he will be graduating this semester. Tyler has a special tie to Calvary because he is the fiancé of uh, Alexis Carlson, who we also uh, exchanged worship um, leadership with this morning. When I asked Tyler what it is that he loves to do, what makes his heart sing, he said, serving and being a part of the body of Christ. So Tyler, glad to have you here. And then we have Sam March. Sam has uh, been attending Calvary for a while. Uh, last week I had the joy of meeting Sam and of his saying that he was interested in playing drums, which has been a need for us. And so, Sam, we're glad to have you here. Sam is a, um, a undergraduate, has an undergraduate degree from Howard Payne University and is a uh, first-year Truett student. Glad to have you here, Sam. Let's uh, say the word that Bert already referred to, the series that we always say to new people. In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. If you guys would just uh, maybe join me in the Welcome Center afterwards, and we'll let people come by and welcome you. Thanks. As is our tradition today uh, for Baptism Sunday, we ask the children to come forward, and the children are going to lead us up to the front. But while they're coming, children, come on up and join me here. I also want to recognize uh, somebody that's going to be leaving us today. Uh, Jorge, Monica, and Naomi Ramiki, this is their last day with us. Um, some of you know that Jorge is a, uh, has become a doctoral student, a PhD student at UT, meaning the other UT, that, not the one we just referred to, but University of Texas. And Monica has uh, found a job there. It's uh, become really hard for him to commute and make this commute. And we want to say thank you to you all. If you all would stand and just let us express appreciation to you all for all that you've done here. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a joy to get to know you and to work with you here. Okay, boys and girls. As I went down, joined us river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear 
A starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down to the river to pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. my joy to introduce you to Sophie Tinkersley today. Sophie is in the sixth grade at River Valley Intermediate School. Sophie is creative, she loves fashion, and she is kind. She is a caring big sister and a faithful friend. And Sophie, God's light truly shines through you. And what a gift it is for us to share this moment with you today as you say that you want to follow God and to live in the way of Jesus all the ways of your life. Sophie's mother, Abby, will be reading her testimony for us this morning. These are Sophie's words. I had been thinking about getting baptized for a while. I noticed that a lot of my friends had been getting baptized, so I started thinking about getting baptized myself. I thought about how I was ready to accept Jesus into my heart and how I was ready to have all my sins washed away. I had a lot of people help me through my journey, obviously my mom and dad, but also my brother. If I told my friends, they were always supportive of my choice. Some very good friends who were very, very supportive of my choice were the Hanchies, Oliver, mm -hmm. Miss Ginger, Mr. Dan, and Atticus. Emily helped me a lot. She came to my house and we talked about being baptized and she was very supportive and encouraging. And of course, Miss Mary Alice. She was always super supportive of anyone's choice to get baptized. I love all these people very much. I am so glad everyone here today is supporting me and I'm very excited about being baptized and welcomed into my church family. Sophie, what is your profession of faith? That Jesus is Lord. Because you have professed Jesus as your Lord, it is my great joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Jesus in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. You are a child of God, and you are our sister in the family of Christ. May God bless you and keep you, and may the Spirit fill you and use you in this world to the glory of God. Sophie, your church family has something that we want to say to you. 
with joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. of Christ. Amen. <laughs>